From Largo to Seminole, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning to you. It's AM Tampa Bay with lots of gluten-free information here and a little entertainment along the way. Jack Harris, Katie Bacino, James Berlander all on board. And you can call us at 800-969-9352. It's a Web's Day. If you want to be a part of the action, that's right. Web's Day. Web's Day morning, the peak of the week. Uh, and you can text us at 82945. Of course, a lot going on, as always the case. But the um, Florida primary, that's one of the big ones, is a week away. And one of the biggest things is the um, race between gubernatorial candidate and Congressman Charlie Crist, who's currently leading the polls to become the Democrat nominee. Uh, and he's going to be taking on Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. But uh, she's close in the polls. And she is trying to get to as many voters as possible, of course, as everyone is who is running for anything. And meanwhile, uh, Governor DeSantis, he's been on more of a national scale traveling around the country. Um, and he's building support for candidates endorsed by former President Donald Trump. But Despite rumors of a possible presidential run himself, he said his sights are still set on remaining in the governor's mansion for another term, and he's planning to tour part of Florida to help promote school board candidates that he had endorsed for the uh, school board races. But six days from now, the Florida primary is going to be here, um, and it's been over a week now since early voting began, and Floridians are weighing in. As of yesterday morning, more than 156,000 had shown up to the polls over the past nine days. Another 1.1 million have cast their vote by mail, uh, and Democrats are leading the way with mail-in ballots, and GOP voters have cast the majority of in-person votes by about 20,000. And this is as of Monday morning. Uh, over 156,000 had voted at the sites, including over 80,000 registered Republicans and about 64,000 registered Democrats, according to the Division of Elections website uh, but again Democrats outpacing Republicans in voting by mail by a margin of 529,000 uh, almost 430,000 and we got more than 14.3 million Floridians are eligible to vote in the primary elections with Republicans holding a registration edge over Democrats by about 229,000. But as early voting continues, several key races are really heating up. 
and particularly the governor's race. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top, uh, Charlie Crist or Nikki Freed. And most people, I think, feel that it's going to be a runaway for Governor DeSantis, assuming he does run for governor, in spite of a lot of people think he's going to be running for president, or he might be the VP candidate along with Trump. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's 10 after 5 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to look in on traffic now with John Thomas. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And the guy who knows it, that would be Chris Trickman here out of the newsroom. And what's up this morning, Chris? Good morning, Jack. Well, Wyoming Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney will not be on the ballot in November after her primary loss to attorney Harriet Hageman. In her concession speech, she said she was not willing to go along with lies from President Trump about the 2020 election and his efforts to unravel the Democratic system. Cheney was one of the strongest GOP critics. She was leading the hearings on the January 6th riot, and obviously she paid the political price in the heavily Republican state of Wyoming. Yeah, uh, very heavily Trump favorite there in Wyoming and of course Trump went after Cheney because of what she did to him and I I know Trump had to be sitting back saying so there you go babe that's it take it up your rear yeah there was an effort to try and save her from being uh, defeated there was an effort by supporters of Cheney to get Democrats to switch their affiliation at least for the primary to vote for Cheney but it was not enough in fact, she was blown out in a two-to-one landslide. Oh, yeah. That was a huge, huge victory. That's right. So that's the end of Cheney, at least as far as being a congresswoman. And, you know, she had risen pretty far. Uh, she had made it into the leadership role and was at one point the number two in the House on the Republican side. Uh, and now she's, uh, you know, exiting Congress. But vows to continue her efforts to prevent Trump from getting elected again. <laughs> so former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin will be on the state's ballot for the U.S. House. And Republican U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski advances to Alaska's general election where she will face a Trump-supported challenger. So that was the other big primary yesterday. Two, The two smallest states, at least population-wise, had two of the most-watched primaries yesterday. And pretty much the results were as expected. We, yeah. knew, we knew Cheney was going to get voted out, and it appears that Sarah Palin, you know, is a legit contender to win the House seat. You know, there's only one in Alaska, yeah. and it hadn't opened up in 50 years. The guy who was there, uh, Don Young, had been there for, you know, decades. Uh, he died, and so the seat finally opened up, and Sarah Palin's looking to uh, fill that fill that role. Yeah, that'll be, well, like you say, she's a... Uh shoe-in favorite on that for sure and interestingly about what happened with uh well you got charlie christ going after desantis as well down here along with um the um 
Yeah, you got Sec- Nikki Free, the, uh, agriculture yeah, the agriculture commissioner. You know, I don't know what to think of the polling on that, Jack, because in Florida, we've seen so many polls prior to elections that just did not match the final results. Yeah. So, you know, they're talking about some of the results in this poll from the University of North Florida showing that Nikki Freed may have the edge on Charlie Crist, uh, even though she has just a fraction of the money and uh, her campaign really uh, had been sort of uh, lackluster until the last couple of weeks where she seems to have been making a surge. And on the uh, Senate race, it appears Marco Rubio might have some legitimate competition from Val Demings. According to the poll, now, you know, we see these poll numbers and then the election happens and the results end up being completely different. Oh, yeah. You can't really go with the polls. I mean, if you're a betting person, don't go by the polls or you might lose your money. Yeah. I mean, especially in Florida. Yeah. It seems like it's just a difficult state to get a a good track on. So we'll see if those numbers uh, match up. I mean, the primary is a week away, and we'll find out for sure whether the numbers are, are clear or not, at least in the Democratic primary involving Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed. Yeah, that's the big one. So Governor DeSantis says he's got a plan to get more teachers into the classroom. He was in Pasco County yesterday. He was speaking at River Ridge High School in Newport Ritchie, talking about how there's a big teacher shortage, and he's blaming uh, the woke environment and ideology for deterring teachers from signing up. Now, that's in contrast to what the uh, Florida Tax Watch people are saying. They did a study where they interviewed teachers about why they're not signing up and and why they're leaving, and they say it's a lot less to do with ideology and more about not enough money and just too much stress on that kind of job. But but his plan, the governor's plan, is to bring in first responders who have bachelor's degrees out of retirement. Uh, So that could include military, could include police officers, EMTs, folks like that. And he's going to waive costs for the teacher uh, certification test, and some of those people, depending upon their qualifications, could get a, a $5,000 bonus. So we'll see if that gets those re- military guys out of retirement to go into the classroom. Yeah, that would be great for the school system if they can get them to do it. But uh, they just don't pay teachers enough considering what they do. I mean, they're shaping our future Yeah, with the kids, and we just don't pay them enough. But, well, you know, Jack, I, I don't think you can ignore the fact that there have been these really high-profile school shootings either. Well, that's true. You know, and, and teachers don't necessarily want to want to deal with that. Now, some teachers would would rather go into the classroom uh, with the option of being armed, and that's, you know, been something that's been promoted by uh, leaders like uh, Sheriff Judd in Polk County. Um, but not all teachers want to do that, and, and that could be a deterrent for them as well, signing up for that job. So local law enforcement were behind a new plan to stop overdose deaths. Uh, Senator Rick Scott was in Pinellas County talking about his Stop Fentanyl Package Act. It's the legislation that would provide federal money to local law enforcement agencies in places where there are high rates of overdoses, and that would include parts of Florida for sure. Scott says it could be used to train officers to better identify OD cases and upgrade essential systems for drug tracing and labs to provide training to trace criminals who use the dark web to distribute these drugs. It would be a good idea if they could 
shut down the border and stop all that stuff from coming across. But it's too late now. It's already across. I mean, with all of these drug dealers who have just walked into this country with no problem whatsoever. Yeah, fentanyl is a tricky one, Jack, because there's so much uh, artificial uh, uh, material of the drugs. You know, it's not a natural thing. And a lot of synthetics out there, and that that's just difficult to trace. A lot of it comes, uh, they believe, from uh, Asia, particularly China. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a real problem. And one of the, the problems with the synthetics is that they can be much stronger than the regular drugs. And when people take these things, uh, they overdose. And in some cases, they get uh, they get killed because of it. So it's a real problem, and it would help to have law enforcement better identify and better track this stuff. Because it's oh, just, yeah. uh, it's just, there's just too much of it out there. And close the border. <laughs> yep, that always helps too. That you, don't want, you don't want illegals, help. you don't want illegal drugs coming across the border if you can prevent it. Well, Chris will have more coming up here in eight minutes at the bottom of the hour. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. It's five twenty-two. Time to check in on John Thomas and traffic. Jack, Katie, and James every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And if you want to join the triumvirate, call us at 800-969-9352. Katie's come up with this thing, 21 gross food combinations that people love to make at home. Um... Do you have any crazy food combos that you like, Jack? I don't know. I'm I'm a PBJ guy. I like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, but that's not gross. Okay, for example, I oddly discovered macaroni and cheese and baked beans actually go well together. Well, I like them both. Have you ever mixed them though? You mean in the same pot? Yeah, kind of like 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 a cer- a cereal of macaroni and cheese and baked beans. No, I wouldn't like that. It actually works. <laughs> I like them separately. Okay. Have you ever put anything different on your peanut butter jelly? Like, have you ever added anything else? Some people put, like, bananas and stuff in it. Well, I make peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Okay, that's good. And also peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Okay, see, that's weird. That's your weird food combination, peanut butter and pickles. Yeah, I saw that. Sweet pickles? I I prefer sweet pickles, but um, they're hard to find anymore. It's hard to find sweet pickles so i usually have to use dill pickles i didn't even see that one was on the list until you just said that but you're right it is one of the ones on this list peanut butter and dill pickle sandwich yeah hot apples and melted cheese that's bizarre to me no i wouldn't like that strawberry ice cream and lays potato chips i love that without the lays potato chips just strawberry ice cream now have you ever heard of banana on pizza uh no never one of our uh, guys in the newsroom actually uh, introduced that to us uh, just now. We were talking off the air. Hmm. Well, let's go to Glenn. And Glenn, what's your food combo favorite? Uh, sometimes I like peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. Peanut butter and what? Mayonnaise. Peanut butter and mayonnaise. Ooh, I never know about yeah. that. I've never heard of that done. I remember when people were doing that on TikTok, and it was very mixed reviews. Some people thought it was great. I saw one on this list, saltines and sweetened condensed milk. Weird combination, but I feel like that would be good. Anything sweet and salty, I'm really all for, like potato chips and chocolate. I like mixing the sweet and the salty. 
Well, Glenn has challenged me now. I'm going to have to have a peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. Yeah. See how it tastes. Hey, it's 529 on AM Tampa Bay. Keeping you up on what's trending. Here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And at 537, what do we have trending this morning, Katie? Well, today is National Thrift Shop Day, so a good day to go save some money for yourself. Uh, thrift Shop Day? Thrift Shop Day, yeah. Hmm. Go to your local thrift shop. Go thrifting. Yeah. Sometimes you can find some real gems. I mean, I mean, maybe not actual gems, but you can find some really good things for a low price. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find a lot of gems at a yeah, thrift shop. Find no, old gems. Yeah, really old ones. Now, are thrift shops used stuff that yes. they're reselling? Correct. It's that stuff people donate and... Um, so, kind of like Goodwill or Salvation Army. Yeah. Ah, I hope you yeah. aren't. But there's a lot of local thrift shops just on street corners. They're, they're all over the place. There's a lot of thrift shops in the area. By the way, let me mention one other thing as you bring that up with Salvation Army and uh, the Metropolitan Ministries is really hurting this year. And, of course, we haven't done our broadcasts out there this year um, on behalf of them. But if you can spare some change or if you have the kind of food stuff that they're looking for, Metropolitan Ministries could really use your help. And, of course, they're working with people all over the Bay Area. So Metropolitan Ministries, and it's metromen.org, I think. Yes, metromen.org to donate. Yeah. yeah they they really need, need your it. help, so please do it. They desperately need it. They're not usually as in need as they are this time of year right now, but they really need help right now. For sure. Saw this online. Girl Scouts are adding a new cookie to the 2023 lineup, and people are pretty excited about this. So it's a sister cookie to the beloved Thin Mints, which is everyone's favorite cookie. Mm. Everybody loves the Thin Mint. They're called Raspberry Rally Cookies, and they're still covered in the same chocolate, but instead of the insides being mint, it's going to be raspberry, so the inside is pink. But um, I bet these are really good for anyone who likes, you know, raspberry well, stuff. remember, they have those snacks called, the, like, knots, those little raspberry crackers, and those are great. Yeah, and they're kind of like that. That's what people are comparing them to, and they're like, if they're anything like that, if they're a Girl Scout version of that, they're going to be really good. Because when Thin Mints came out, every cookie brand rolled out with their version of them, and a lot of them are pretty good. So Girl Scouts is doing the opposite. They saw that the raspberry cookies were really liked, so they decided to kind of recreate them. So it's basically a sister cookie to Thin Mints, and people are really excited, especially if you put them I in I forgot the which one I like, but I have one of the Girl Scout cookies I love, and that's it. Minus Samoa's. It's the chocolate one with a little oh, yeah. bit of caramel on it. It's got oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Maybe that's the one I like. It has coconut on top. Do you like coconut? No, I don't oh, like no. coconut. Girl Scouts keeping dad bods alive everywhere. Amen to that. <laughs> For sure. It's 541 on AM Tampa Bay, and here's John Thomas with your traffic. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And it is 544. And our number, if you want to join us here, 800-969-9352. Katie put this video up. We were talking about this the other day. The Kumba, when it first opened, 
we were talking about Bush Gardens and when the roller coasters first opened and Katie got a video of our first ride. I mean, this was the inaugural ride on the Kumba, which I learned yesterday was the second roller coaster at Bush Gardens. Uh, back in the old days when I came here. And I don't know if it was the second. I know Python was the first. Yeah. I, I just know it wasn't the first one. Yeah, I think it was the second one. Because uh, that was back in the 80s when I was doing Harrison Company out at Bush Gardens. I think it was 1993 I read on Rob Schweitzer's video when the Kumba video was. Yeah, we've got uh, Michael Richards. What was his character's name Kramer. on? Huh? Kramer. Yeah, Kramer. On uh, on the Jerry Fine Seinfeld show. And now I'm at a loss. i got to think of the name of the other fellas. He passed away some time ago. but Yeah, we couldn't remember it yesterday either, and I couldn't find it online. I don't remember what his name was. But yeah, he said because, he was like the manager at Busch Gardens, right? Yeah, he was... Um, one of the VIPs at Bush Gardens and went on to work at the aquarium. Uh, was a leader at the aquarium for a long period of time, too. It's such a cool video, Jack. I, I, I just watched it earlier this morning. I'm so glad that Katie found it. Do you remember riding this coaster? Oh, yeah. You know, at all? And what was it like? I haven't actually been on that coaster, believe oh, it or not. Oh, I loved it. I love roller coaster rides. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one, and, and the other ones I like are, I've forgotten what you call them, those things that drop down. I don't like those. I mean, yeah, you come down scary, on them yeah. real fast, and boom, they stop just before you hit the ground. <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah, hopefully my, you don't go boom. Mm -mm. <laughs> those are my least favorite rides. I do not like the drop towers. Well, we got the video up online for you on amchampabay.com if you want to see Jack on a roller coaster. And we'll have to get a, an updated video of Jack on a roller coaster. And Kramer, Michael Richards. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's amchampabay.com. And a lot of other great stuff that Katie's got on there, too. A couple sending chewed-up scratch-off to the lottery office wins $8. Chewed-up. Hey, at least they accepted it. Yeah. Yeah, the lottery office is like, we've never seen anything like this, but we'll give it a try. And they did. And a couple, hey, they'd only spent $3 on the ticket. So either way, they profited $5. And the other one, I got to check out what song do you think this Tampa man is dancing to? That's a really cool video. Katie actually took that video herself. Oh, you did? Yeah, um, we'll have to find out. Uh, she's taking a call right now, but we'll have to find out where she was here in Tampa. Hmm. That's not Clay, your boyfriend. No, that is not Clay. That is not yeah. my boyfriend. <laughs> Although he's got dance moves of his own, that is not him. That was in Plant City, and it was hilarious oh. watching him dance. He <laughs> he loves to make direct eye contact. I posted it online, and people were like, "Yeah, he's dancing all the time. We love that guy." Was he like a, like a sign spinner or just no no just... sign spinner? Just yeah? uh, wow. just giving entertainment. <laughs> That's interesting for sure. By the way, um, they've got a Democrat representative. Maloney says Biden is not running for president again. And she said this at a time when she thought she was off the record that she wasn't being recorded or anything like that. She's a longtime congresswoman, 
and she made headlines with her remarks about whether or not Biden is seeking re-election, and this was with the Times editorial board. She said, off the record, he's not running again, but of course, he'll be 80. I think until we hear an official announcement from the Biden administration, I think it's safe to assume that he's not going to run again. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think even if he decided to run again, the Democrats would stop him and put somebody else up there. Hopefully not Kamala. Not tomorrow? No, Kamala. Hopefully not Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala Harris. She's probably planning to run. Ugh. But it'll be interesting to see who they come up with. But I would think, given what's happened so far under the Biden administration, that, well, we know Biden hadn't got a chance, but I don't think Kamala's got a chance either. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they come up with. But they got a lot of people, so they got some to choose from. Jack, we got some clarification on the Bush Gardens roller coaster. So first was the one we said earlier, Python. Python. Second was Scorpion, which I remember being the first ro- and only roller coaster I could ride for like five years. My poor mom had to ride that a million times. And then Kumba that you rode with Michael Richards was the third. The third one? Yes. Scorpion was a tiny little roller coaster, though. It only had one loop. It was just like the roller coaster kids could ride when you were too short for all the other ones. (laughs) Son of a gun, the third one. I just remember when when I came there, uh, that was a bird garden, and that was it. So (laughs) crazy how much it's changed. Oh, man, has it grown. It's 5.50 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check out our coming and going now with John Thomas. Com. Live on 94.5 FM in Pinellas County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 5.54 and we've got Rory O'Neill joining us right now, our NBC News Radio reporter. And this report's brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, um, American Airlines says now it's buying 20 supersonic airplanes that fly faster than the speed of sound, of course. And they say that'll really cut the time it takes to fly across the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. And Right, uh, and they've got 600 different routes they think they can cut the travel time in half. Uh, New York City to London in three and a half hours, Tokyo to Seattle, four and a half hours, L.A. to Sydney in eight hours. That's a haul of a flight. Uh, but uh, th- this plane will remind you of the Concorde when you look at it in the general shape. But it's a lot more high-tech, a lot more fuel-efficient, a lot lighter as well. The big question is going to be, will it be a lot more affordable? American Airlines thinks they can make money with it. Uh, they've made a commitment to buy 20 of these boom aircraft. From, uh, boom is the name of the, the maker, like Boeing or Airbus. Overture is the name of the plane. Yeah, the um, the thing you got to wonder is how much is it going to cost, or how much more. That's amazing. How how quickly can you go from, say, New York to London? Yeah, about three and a half hours is the time. This thing can max out at Mach one point seven. That's just over thirteen hundred miles per hour. So, whoosh whoosh. I think they had Boston to Madrid was also about three and a half hours as well. Um, and you'll only have about 65 to 80 passengers in the plane, depending on the configuration. 
That's the other problem, though. With so few passengers, you got to charge them a lot to make that flight. So we'll see if uh, they can make the math work. Uh, you know, obviously, we had the Concorde. A couple of tragedies there at the end, and British Airways and Air France decided to give up the plane, largely because, uh, you know, it was really only marketed to elite travelers, and that's not that big a crowd. It's amazing to think if you were to be able to shout loud enough that it could be heard from New York to um, London, London, that it would take six hours for the sound right. to get there. Right, yeah, pretty remarkable, and the, the fact that this plane beats you there. So, in theory, you could take off, land, and then hear the shout, right, when you yeah. arrive in London. Well, the hope is that maybe you, we'll have... You forgot have... your keys. That would be very handy, right, if you could shout, hey, you forgot, then you'll yeah. land. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> just hoping we can have supersonic flights throughout this country from here to New York yeah, or here to Chicago or something. Right. Yeah, because of the sonic booms, that's less likely. Most of these are going to have to go over uh, water so that they can achieve their mock speed. Still, that's just true. under the speed of sound for uh, one of, if it, when it does travel over the U.S. So still pretty fast. Well, thank you, Rory, for the update here. And you'll find him on Twitter, at Radio Rory, and we'll talk to you in the morning. Thanks, Jack. And this report brought to you by the Oncology Institute a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations across the Bay Area. Make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com. It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. From Palm Harbor to Valrico, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning at six minutes after six. It's our morning show synthesis here with Jack Harris, Katie Buccino, and James Berlander. And of course, you can join us at 800-969-9352. We'd like to hear from you. And, um, well, it's seven after six right now. By the way, we were talking about combinations of food a little bit earlier, and we got a couple of notes here, I guess, from, was that texting? These were just listeners who called in. Well, one of them's John Thomas, and he did text James and I. Our own John Thomas. Uh, peanut butter and bacon on toast? I like peanut. I think peanut butter and bacon would be good. Yeah. I love bacon, burnt bacon, and I love peanut butter, but not together. If you don't love bacon, if you're yeah, if you're out there, and you don't like your bacon. You're not American. Just saying. That's true. <laughs> and then onion sandwich with butter. That's from Nancy in Newport Ritchie. Onion sandwich with butter. I don't like onions enough to where I'd enjoy that, but to <laughs> each their own. Yes, indeed. Well, it's seven after six. First of all, we got some. Birthdays. Don Hines having a birthday today. He used to call in many, many years ago as Bill Mamboquette. So Don Hines slash Bill Mamboquette having a birthday. Lynn Ritchie, uh, Dean Akers, Gary Kazmarek, Joe Bracken, and Kim DeFalco. So happy birthday to Don Lynn. Dean, Gary, Joe, and Kim, and what have you all got? 
I have Kelly McKinney, Damon Garcia, and Brandis Michelle Ostrino. Wow, long names. I've got Marissa Tomasi, Brett Watkins, and Austin Batchelder. Austin what? Batchelder. Oh, I thought it came out sounded like something else. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we've got some Ben Ritter jokes here to offer. Um, says everyone is waiting for this book to be published. Running to the Outhouse, written by Willie Make It and illustrated by Betty Won't. <laughs> and have you seen the movie Constipation? No. Well, that's because it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> when lightning strikes an orchestra, who gets hit first? The conductor. Yes. Ah, yes. Good and job. he says, hope you got a charge out of that one. What word becomes shorter if you add two letters? Short. Short. Yes. yes. Two in a row. He comes shorter. Why couldn't anybody play cards on Noah's Ark? Hmm. Because Noah was standing on the deck. Ah, <laughs> clever. Why is everything that's delivered by a ship called cargo, but if it's delivered by a car, it's called a shipment? Solid hmm. question. And then it says if it's delivered on a plane... It's on track. I haven't heard that one before, but anyway, those are from our man Ben Ritter. And it's 10 minutes after 6, and time to check in now with John Thomas and Trap. Now, taking a look back at This Day in History on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And This Day in History is brought to you by the Duncan Duo. Today in history for August 17th. 1585, a first group of colonists sent by Sir Walter Raleigh under the charge of Ralph Lane lands in the New World to create Roanoke Colony on Roanoke Island off the coast of present-day North Carolina. 1807, Robert Fulton's North River Steamboat leaves New York City for Albany, New York on the Hudson River, inaugurating the first commercial steamboat service in the world 1862 the american indian wars the dakota war of 1862 begins in minnesota as dakota warriors attack white settlements along the minnesota river 1862 the civil war major general jeb stewart is assigned command of all the cavalry of the confederate army of northern virginia 1863 in the Civil War in Charleston, South Carolina, Union batteries and ships bombard Confederate-held Fort Sumter. 1864 in the Civil War, the Battle of Gainesville. Confederate forces defeat Union troops near Gainesville, Florida, which today is the home of the University of Florida. 1915, Jewish-American Leo Frank is lynched in Marietta, Georgia, after a 13-year-old girl is murdered. 1915, a Category 4 hurricane hits Galveston, Texas, with winds at 135 miles an hour. 1942, in World War II, 
Marines raid the Japanese-held Pacific island of Makin. In 43 in World War II, the U.S. 8th Air Force suffers the loss of 60 bombers on the Schweinfurt-Regensburg mission. World War II, the 7th Army under General George Patton arrives in Messina, Italy, followed several hours later by the British 8th Army under Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, thus completing the Allied conquest of Sicily. 1943, World War II, the first Quebec conference of Winston Churchill, Franklin Roosevelt, and William Lyon Mackenzie King begins. 1945, the novella Animal Farm by George Orwell is first published. 1953, the first meeting of Narcotics Anonymous takes place in Southern California. In 1955, Hurricane Diane made landfall near Wilmington, North Carolina, went on to cause major floods and killed more than 184 people. 1958, the Pioneer Zero, America's first attempt at lunar orbit is launched using the first Thor Able rocket and it fails. Notable as one of the first attempted launches beyond Earth orbit by any country. 1969, a Category 5 Hurricane Camille hit the U.S. Gulf Coast, killing 256 people and causing $1.42 billion in damage. 1977, the Soviet icebreaker Arktika becomes the first surface ship to reach the North Pole. 1978, Double Eagle II becomes the first balloon to cross the Atlantic Ocean when it lands in Misery, France, near Paris, 137 hours after leaving the state of Maine. Can you imagine being up in a balloon for 137 hours? 1985, the 85-86 Hormel strike begins in Austin, Minnesota, withholding your meat. 1998, the Lewinsky scandal. President Bill Clinton admits in taped testimony that he had an improper physical relationship with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Miss Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. And later that same day, he admits before the nation that he misled people about that relationship. 2008, American swimmer Michael Phelps becomes the first person to win eight gold medals at one Olympic Games. And finally, 1886, the Tampa mayor's salary is boosted to $25 a month. That would be $120 a year. And today it's nearly $950 a month, 11500 today per month. The mayor makes, um, a hundred, well, $180,000 a year today, 180000 yeah, that, that's what those numbers would be, 25 a month, 120 a year, 
would be nine fifty a month today and eleven and a half thousand a year today. And that's our today in history presented by the Duncan Duo. Get your career booming. Be a part of the number one real estate team in Florida. Visit now. Join DuncanDuo.com. It's 621, and let's check in on traffic now with John Thomas. The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. 625, and are joined now by Aaron Rayal, the NBC News radio reporter. And Aaron, employers are increasingly tracking their workers and actually assigning them productivity scores. What's all this about? Yes, it is the dystopian nightmare that we all are realizing right now. So according to the New York Times, which did a big expose, eight of the ten largest private U.S. employers are tracking productivity metrics on individual workers. They're doing it in real time. And while this has always been the reality for those lower-paying jobs being monitored, you know, we know it happens at Amazon, but also Kroger, cashiers, UPS drivers, millions of others. It's now coming for those graduate degree jobs. You have architects, administrators, doctors, lawyers. They say that they're being watched every keystroke, every mouse jiggle. They're, and they're echoing the same complaints that employers in many lower paid positions have voiced for years. They think their jobs are relentless and they don't have any control. And oftentimes they don't even have enough time to use the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I imagine employees aren't too happy about it no not at all and what's also interesting about it is that they say that the clock is often wrong that you can't really quantify those offline activities it's unreliable to assess those those certain things that are high touch and and they're prone to undermining the work itself and they gave the example united health group they have a low keyboard activity score that can affect compensation and bonuses and there was a, a social worker from united health that was you know, marked idle for her lack of keyboard activity. And this is while she's counseling a patient in a drug treatment facility who needs her time and her eye contact and her empathy. And she's doing absolutely everything right to address the work at hand, but is being docked pay and bonuses for doing that because she's simply not scrolling away on her phone or her keyboard. And that's not a good thing that you don't want that either. Mm. Well, how about NBC News? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. So if you have Microsoft Teams or any of the Microsoft suite of products, yes, there is tracking information in those. You know, it, it's hard to say exactly how much is tracked. And we do know the companies that are kind of more egregious, egregious offenders um, when it comes to privacy. They Actually, Barclays Bank, they, they scrapped a message that popped up on workers' screens that said, quote, not enough time in the zone yesterday. That drove people nuts. But radiologists, they've been showed scorecards of inactivity of how their productivity stacks up against their colleagues, which is crazy. At J.P. Morgan, they're tracking employees, but it, it becomes a big issue. You know, every everyone being tracked all the time, and that would be great if we were all actually robots, but there's a lot of offline work that adds a lot of value to the bottom line of the company and is actually wildly important in terms of company productivity and efficiency, but is not easily quantifiable by, you know, keystrokes. Well, of course, the use of robots is growing in a big way. I hope they don't start doing morning shows here at any time soon, but 
you in... never know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us this morning on AM Tampa Bay. Thank you, Tony. Talk to you tomorrow. Aaron Rayal, our NBC News radio reporter. It's 628 on AM Tampa Bay. With a K. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day. On AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 637, Katie, who's our dope of the day? Well, his name is Jonathan Dale Crenshaw, and he's a South Florida artist. He's a homeless artist, I would like to add that. So he's a homeless man. He has been arrested. This is a this is a weird story. So <laughs> a tourist went up to him while he was, you know, sleeping on the street and asked him for directions. And the man, which I would like to say has no arms. The man is an armless homeless artist. So he hopped up. Yeah. So he hopped up <laughs> and stabbed the tourist with scissors using his feet. Whoa. This is a real thing. So I guess he stabbed the tourist. This poor guy was from Chicago, and he's like, listen, I'm not from here. This is not what I asked for. I was on vacation. And the victim here says that he was asking for directions, and the guy hopped up, stabbed the man with the scissors, and then the guy with no arms ran off. Um, So they eventually caught up with him, And he says that the homeless man who they caught, his name is Crenshaw, says that he was lying down when a man came up to him and punched him in the head. And so he stabbed the man twice to defend himself. Now, the victim is saying that is not what happened at all. I just was asking for directions. I'm not from here. And I figured this man would know his way around. And I got stabbed. So, I mean, you know what? I kind (laughs) of give it to the homeless guy. He has means to protect himself with no arms. Right. But you can't just go stabbing random people who are asking you for directions. No, you can't do that. It's so funny. James told me about this story, and um, I looked it up, and I recognized this man. You recognized him? Yes. I personally don't know him, but I recognized this man from a different video. There's a Barstool Sports um, Dave Portnoy, who reviews pizzas. You've probably seen him online, Jack. Dave Portnoy, is, he's very famous Huge. now. Yeah. Um, and he was doing a pizza review in South Florida one day, and this guy had walked by and said something very vulgar to him. And the video took off online. I remember the guy had no arms, and he was somehow dragging a suitcase, and people were like, how is he doing that? So as soon as James sent me this video, I was like, I recognize this guy from a pizza review. And I went and found the video, and I just showed James. And it's definitely the same guy. This guy's interesting. He carries suitcases with no arms. He stabs people. <laughs> um, so if you see this man when you're in South Florida, stay away. <laughs> well, he's armed with his feet. He's armed with his yeah, feet. Yeah, watch out. He, the guy said, um, <laughs> the man said, it's like, how the hell did I get stabbed? Like, is this the right guy? Because I can't believe his legs could do that to me. <laughs> I mean, it would be very confusing to come to South Florida for the first time and a man stabs you with his feet. <laughs> yes. I'd never go back. I, I would never go back to South Florida. Another Florida man. Yeah, I guess you can't use the term he's armed. He's actually footed. Yeah, he's footed. Hmm. Well, that's our dope of the day. Hey, we got Chris Jaddick joining us in just a minute, and he's head of the communications with T. Barta, the Tampa Bay area uh, Rapid Transit Authority, and we're going to get the latest word on aerial gondolas that are going to be coming to Clearwater, apparently, and maybe a little bit about the potential for rapid transit for the Bay Area, maybe in the next decade. 
It's 6.40, and time to see how old-fashioned cars are doing on the highway with John Thomas. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.44 on AM Tampa Bay, and we're joined now by the Director of Communications at T-Barda, which is the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, Chris Jaddick, my old friend Chris Jaddick. And, uh, Chris, we were reading the other day about the uh, possibility of gondolas going from downtown Clearwater to the beach, and we were kind of wondering if gondolas could be part of the transportation future for the Bay Area, maybe running from Tampa to St. Petersburg across Tampa Bay. Well, good morning, Jack. It's good to talk to you again. And uh, gondolas are used in many places around the world, not very popular in the United States. There's only two places where area gondolas are used for daily public commuter traffic. But they are viable modes of transportation worldwide, and it's possible they could be used in areas such as Clearwater, connecting downtown Clearwater to Clearwater Beach. We're certainly not looking at gondolas to cross Tampa Bay. I'm not sure uh, if that's if that's technically feasible, but uh, the, the scope of the study we're looking at right now is focusing on Pinellas County and some of the opportunities there. Important to note, we're not proposing a gondola, and we have no plans to build a gondola, but this is a feasibility study, and it's a first step to take a look at, is this a good idea? How would people use it? Would they like it? How would we pay for it? A lot of questions need to be answered first. Of course, it would be great for traveling from Clearwater to Clearwater Beach because it's always so crowded on Clearwater Beach and finding parking places is so difficult. Um, if you could get a large parking area in downtown Clearwater, people park their cars there, get in a gondola, go to the beach, come back to their cars, and head home. That's certainly been an ongoing challenge, and it's not just going to the beach. It's getting people from the beach to downtown Clearwater, which has a lot of attractions. So one of the things that feasibility study is looking at is, yes, where would people park, where would the stations be located, things like that. Uh, those are things that are going to go into this survey that we're actually having the public respond to right now. If people want to go to tbarda.com forward slash gondola, they can tell us what they think about this idea. And there's people on both sides of it as well. You know it's very crowded down there. And some people think, well, if you, if you build more transportation, uh, are you going to be actually be asking more people to come down to the beach? But we already know from the survey that's in the field, we have more than 4,000 responses so far. More than 80% of the respondents tell us that traffic on the Clearwater Causeway prevents them from going back and forth as much as they would like. Yeah, and um, you were mentioning that gondolas are used in two other places. I know they have gondolas at uh, Disney World that people can ride, but where else are they used practically? They're used in Portland, Oregon, and I also believe up in the New York area. And important to note that these are not the Disney World-type gondolas. I mean, these gondolas could be air-conditioned. They could be enclosed. Uh, they certainly have to be more weather-resistant. Uh, they wouldn't operate, obviously, in tropical storm winds. But for most of the time, they are very operable and very safe, and they are more robust means of public transportation. So uh, you do have the Roosevelt Tramway up in the New York area, and as I mentioned, in Portland, Oregon as well which they serve commuters every day as daily forms of transportation. Are we moving any closer to uh, some kind of rails or things like that to get people around the Bay Area? 
Rail has been getting a lot of talk, and T-BART is working with local officials to try to help move that forward. As you know, a lot of that really hinges on those CSX lines right now, and CSX is in negotiations with Amtrak. It seems like until the national picture sorts out a little bit, some of our local conversations may be put on hold. But T-BART is certainly here to help with the local planning process. Uh, We're available to run a feasibility study on some of the existing CSX lines. But it seems like we're waiting to see what happens on a national scale regarding CSX and Amtrak before we can take that next step. But certainly, rail has always been something this region has wanted. It's been a challenge because figuring out how to pay for it, you know, how to actually implement it, who's going to operate it, has always been a challenge for us. But T-BART is always here to help. Yeah, and I know uh, you all are doing a good job of trying to get things rolling here because we are, of course, a top 20 metro area, and we're one of the few that doesn't have uh, rail or anything like that for our population. I know they're beginning to put together a little uh, antique streetcar service downtown, but I think it's going to take a lot more than that. Well, there's a lot of forms of transportation. Yeah, let's not forget about bus rapid transit. T-BARTA has its I-275 regional rapid transit proposal along I-275 connecting Pinellas, Pasco, and Hillsborough counties. And we're taking a look at whether bus rapid transit would be viable for US-19, the corridor connecting Pasco to Pinellas County. We have a feasibility study on that. So we do need a lot of different types of transit, and we need to connect a lot of areas. So there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of responsibility that goes along with all of that. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us this morning, and hope to see you soon now. The Director of Communications at T-BARDA, the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's 6.50 and time for John Thomas to tell us how we're doing on rubber tires. Live on 99.1 FM in Pasco County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.54 on AM Tampa Bay and um, Wednesday morning here. One of our top ten favorite days of the week. Got AAA Tampa Bay area gas prices, and they are going down very slowly. Uh, but the current average in the Bay area, according to AAA, this would be yesterday, three fifty four nine, so about three fifty five, and that was down one and a half cents from the day before. It was down 15 cents from the week before, down 70 cents from a month ago, and from a year ago, it's still 57 cents more, 57 cents more than it was a year ago. And, of course, the highest price ever was when it was... 490 and that was back in June 13th this year. It's down a dollar 35 from when it was at its highest point. So that's good news. By the way, this is not good news. The IRS has stockpiled 5 million rounds of ammunition, spent $725,000 on bullets this year according to florida congressman matt gates who's introduced a bill to block future ammunition purchases by the agency 
they want to disarm the IRS. In fact, it's a disarm the IRS act, and it would ban them from acquiring ammunition through direct purchase or otherwise, and they're awaiting a potential vote in the House Ways and Means Committee. I mean, this is crazy. They've got that much. Well, the IRS spent 750000 on ammunition. And as Gates said, call me old-fashioned, but I thought the heaviest artillery an IRS agent would need would be a calculator, not $725,000 worth of ammunition. And uh, other bill co-sponsors took to social media questioning the need for a heavily armed tax agency. This is kind of scary. The armed IRS. What are they going to do, shoot you if you fall behind in your IRS payments or something? Got to watch out. Good Lord. This country's going nuts. And we'll talk more about how nutty it's become tomorrow morning at 5 on AM Tampa Bay. Live it up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.